Everybody, this is your host Michelle Ann Olson, and you are listening to "Are You Afraid of the Bark?" the podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode fifteen. That number just has such a nice ring to it, don't you think? Episode fifteen. Today, we're going to be talking about a few different legends across cultures, across cultures, and across the world different legends about demon dogs. And I know that that's a topic that we've explored before, but what I want to bring to your attention today are three very different and distinct legends from across the world that grew independently of one another about dogs, demon dogs, supernatural dogs, very different names, some different characteristics, and yet they have these ties that bind. And I always find that interesting that across cultures and across geographical locations and geographic limitations that we would see these same themes emerge again and again. Just something that really chills me to my core is the idea of shadow people, these darker than pitch dark figures that you see out of the corner of your eye that you turn to look toward in a fleeting instant, but they're already gone, those appear across cultures. And oddly, across cultures, one shadow man in particular is said to wear a fedora-shaped hat. Isn't that odd that across the world, across generations, across cultures, across belief systems about the supernatural that people would report seeing the same shadowy figure with the same fedora-shaped hat. So anyway, I, I think that the things, the thing that makes these legends that I'm about to recount to you most interesting are not only the things that make them different, but the things that bind them together, the things that make them similar. Now, I'm also recording for the first time under this makeshift kind of fort. I've constructed this kind of fort in my den, and I'm recording this under a blanket because I hear that recording with pillows and blankets to prevent the sort of spread of your sound, to, to focus your sound a little bit more, makes sound quality better. So it's hot as hell under here, um, but it's also kind of spooky. Like it's just me and my microphone and my glass of wine and my computer monitor just huddled under this blanket like we're, I don't know, at a sleepover or campfire storytelling. It's got that kind of vibe to it. I don't know. We'll see. Let me know if you notice any any difference to the sound quality. Regardless, I might continue in this fashion moving forward because it's getting me right in that spooky mood. So let's let's get started. Let's not waste any more time. The first demon dog that I want to tell you about is Modi Doo. His name is Modi Doo or Mouth Doog, and he is a demon dog very well known, whose legend has been told for centuries, based out of the Isle of Man. So his name in the original Celtic language is Modidu. Over time, that became 
misinterpreted, mistranslated as mouth doog. And so that is another name for him, mouth doog. But the original Celtic is Modi doog. Now I'm going to tell you this story as it appears directly on the Isle of Man's tourism site. And I always love when a location leans into its haunted history. There are hotels and restaurants and homes, places that try to hide or shy away from their haunted history. But I love when a place really leans into it and understands that those stories are what makes a place so interesting and so worth visiting. Sure, you might get the occasional ghost hunter and we might be an odd kind of people, but I really like when a place doesn't shy away from its tragic past. It just gives it so much more color, so much more personality. So here is the story of Modi Du as recounted right on the Isle of Man's tourism website. In the days when King Charles II was king in England, and Charles, Earl of Derby, was king in Man, Peel Castle was always garrisoned by soldiers. The guard room was just inside the great entrance of the castle, and a passage used to lead from it, through one of the old churches, to the captain of the guard's room. At the end of the day, one of the soldiers would lock the castle gates and carry the key through the dark passage to the captain. The soldiers used to take turns doing this. About this time, a big black dog with rough, curly hair was seen, sometimes in one room, next time in a different room. He did not belong to anyone there, and apparently no one knew anything about him. But every night, when the candles were lighted in the guard room and the fire was burning, he would come down the dark passage and lay himself by the hearth. He made no sound, but lay there until the break of day, when he would then get up and disappear into the passage. The soldiers were at first terrified of him, but after some time they were used to the sight of him and lost some of their fear though they still looked upon him as something more than mortal. Whilst he was not in the room, the men were quiet and sober, and no bad words were spoken. When the hour came to carry the key to the captain, two of them would always go together, as no man wanted to face the dark passage alone. One night, however, one foolish fellow had drunk more than was good for him, and he began to brag and boast about how he was not afraid of the dog. It was not his turn to take the keys, but to show how brave he was, he said he would take them alone. He dared the dog to follow him. Let him come, he shouted, laughing. I'll see whether he be dog or devil. His friends were terrified and tried to hold him back, but he snatched up the keys and went out into the passage. The black dog slowly got up from before the fire and followed him. There was a deathly silence in the guard room. No sound was heard but the dashing of the waves on the steep rocks of the castle islet. After a few minutes, there came from the dark passage the most unearthly screams and howls. But not a soldier dared to move to see what was going on. They looked at each other in horror. Presently, they heard steps and the rash fellow came back into the room. His face was ghastly pale and twisted with fear. He spoke not a word then or afterwards and in three days he was dead, and nobody ever knew what had happened to him that fearful night. The black dog has never been seen again. Or so, the Isle of Man tourism website claims, because other sources that I found do recount a few sightings of the 
mouth doog in the modern age. So I don't know, maybe they're just trying to encourage people to come on over to the Isle of Man, trying to encourage them, let them know that it, it's safe now. And I do apologize, a little bit earlier in the story, I mentioned that these were translations from the Celtic language. It is more appropriate to say the Manx language. So this demon dog seemed to be policing the behavior of the soldiers, encouraging sobriety and watchfulness. And once one of them thought that he would test the beast and misbehave by becoming intoxicated and brash, that's when he met his untimely end. We'll never know what he encountered, what form that dog took in that dark passageway. But that's a theme. Keep that in mind as we move on to our further stories in this episode. The idea of being gracious and well-behaved. Now, I might have mentioned this in an earlier episode, if not one of mine, then one of the episodes that I recorded in a previous iteration of this podcast when I had a recording partner, that phantom black dogs are very strongly connected to English and European folk culture. As I might have mentioned in a previous episode, when early Christian churches and graveyards were built, a black dog would be buried alive, often underneath the cornerstone of those religious edifices, in order that its soul would protect the church and grounds from the devil. So we see this image of the black dog throughout English and other European folk tales. We even see it appearing in Harry Potter, right? With the grim and the form of Sirius Black, the Animagus. So the black dog is not a foreign concept in these European cultures. As to the veracity of the story of the Modi Du, it's interesting to note that there was an excavation on the castle grounds in 1871, and that excavation uncovered the remains of Simon, who was bishop of Sodar and Man, and died in 1247. And at his feet was found the skeleton of a large dog. Now to the country of Japan and talking about their particular brand of demon dog, or at least one of their demon dogs, because I know that the yokai, who I have mentioned in previous episodes, which are supernatural animal beings, I know that they are plentiful and that they have different, very different characteristics and traits. But let's talk specifically about the Okuri Inu. And I know that I'm butchering that. It has been pointed out to me that I am butchering these Japanese or these, these any different language words. It's been pointed out to me. I'm aware. But we're talking about the Okuri Inu. So these are known as the sending off dog. And the Okuri Inu are dogs, sort of wolf-like, that follow lone travelers late at night on the road home. They stalk the traveler, keeping a safe distance. They follow them footstep for footstep as long as they keep walking. Now, if the traveler should trip or stumble, the Okuri Inu will pounce on them and rip them to shreds. So the idea of the sending off dog is that they follow closely behind the traveler and they trail behind them as though they were a friend sending them off on their way. The Okuri Inu is neither good nor bad, a blessing and a curse. 
on the one hand, if you trip and fall, you will be promptly gobbled up. I would say that that is a bad thing. But on the other hand, if you are followed home by an Akuri Inu, they are so ferocious that while they follow you, you are in a way protected from other dangerous yokai or wild animals who might come too close. So nobody wants to mess with you while you're being trailed by an Akuri Inu. So as long as you keep your footing, you're safe. Of course, they most often appear in dark, root-infested, rocky mountain footpaths. So staying upright and keeping one foot steadily in front of the other can prove difficult. Especially, as in these legends, you would no doubt be carrying packs heavy with materials for your trip home or your trip away from home. Now, what I love about the dogs, the demon dogs that I'm talking about today, is that they all seem bound in a kind of politeness. They won't do you harm as long as you treat them with respect. That's a message that I can get behind. So if you should stumble on the road while being followed by an Akuri Inu, you have one chance of surviving. You can fake it so that you appear as though you did it on purpose, and then the Okori Inu will be tricked into thinking you're just taking a rest, and it will not pounce. So you can apparently do this by saying, the Koisho, which means heave ho, or shindoi wa, this is exhausting, and then sort of sitting down and appearing to take a pensive sort of rest before standing and continuing on your way. And if you do this, the Akurid Inu will simply wait patiently for you to resume your path. So this is the way to ensure that you are not eaten by the Akuri Inu, even if you should misstep. Now, keep in mind that if you make it out of the mountain safely, you should absolutely turn around and say, thanks for seeing me off. And in that case, the Akuri Inu will never follow you again. When you get home, you should wash your feet and leave out a dish of something to thank the spirit, to show your gratitude for it watching over you. So again, a legend that is based quite a bit in politeness, in respect. If you remain civil with the spirit, it appears to remain civil with you and will even protect you from the darker, badder, meaner things that are out there. Now, I know that I butcher Japanese words, and I'm about to butcher Nicaraguan words, but I did want to point out that in modern Japanese, the word ukuri akami is also modernly applied to predatory men who go after young women. They pretend to be sweet and helpful, but have ulterior motives. And that word is directly derived from the story of this yokai, or supernatural being, a gross concept, but interesting etymology, to be sure. And traveling now to South America and to Nicaragua to talk about the Cadejo. So the white Cadejo is a big white dog said to accompany drunk men and people that walk late at night back to their homes. Of course, the white dog is said to be a good spirit because he accompanies the person to his or her home ensuring that he or she is safe, and then simply leaves. With the first rays of the sunrise, the Kadeo walks to the horizon and disappears until the next night when he will help someone else. But there's also 
his counterpart, a bad spirit represented by a black dog with a white necklace. And this one tries to kill those who walk at night. Sometimes he merely attacks. And if the person survives, apparently they will go on to live a traumatized life, never returning to the way they once were. And in South America, this might have been a way to explain away those with certain kinds of mental illness, those who were attacked by the Black Cadeo and who survived, but who were never the same. When the white and black dogs face one another, they will fight until the white Cadeo defeats the black. So the white Cadeo represents goodness, the black Cadeo evil, and just like in life, or so they say, good will always prevail over evil. Now there are three kinds of black Cadeos. So the first is the devil himself. He takes the form of a large wounded dog with hooved feet bound together with red hot chains. Now not even the white Cadejo is able to stop or defeat him. But unlike the regular Cadejo, the regular black Cadejo, this devil will not pursue an attack passing humans. It is sent only as a scout, the eyes of evil. Anyone who spots it will promptly suffer a tragedy in their lives. The second type of Cadeo is your average Cadeo, your average evil dog spirit. It kills and savagely tears through its victim walking at night. But first it will demoralize him with a series of sounds and signs that it is nearby and stalking its victim. Then, when the victim is scared out of its wits, is when it leaps forward to kill him if the white Cadeo is not near to intervene. And then the final and least powerful type of black Cadeo are the offspring of normal dogs and Cadeos. They are a mortal hybrid that can be killed with difficulty by a strong man. But once dead, although they will completely rot in a matter of seconds, they will leave behind a stain of evil on which grass and moss will never grow again. And it is this Cadeo that does not bite its victim instead kicks, pecks at them, basically drives them mad. And then, again, this can lead people in certain South American cultures to claim that a person has been handled by the Cadeo. The victim goes mad and is applied to people who are born with mental illness. So three legends across cultures of black dogs demon dogs, spirit dogs, and the themes they have in common are interesting to me. The idea that we have to be well-behaved, that we have to maintain our sobriety, that we have to remain respectful, that we have to remain polite to those, even the spirits that might follow us at night. And if we do all of that, we are liable to make it home safely in the morning. But if we become cocky, if we become drunk with power, if we are out too late without a good reason, that's when we are punished by our actions. And that seems to be the message across oceans and across thousands of kilometers. It's interesting how these themes and these monsters have these parallels even though they come from such different places. It's something that really interests me.
So as I sit here in my tent fort drinking my wine on a Monday night, I'm not sure whether I would survive an encounter with one of these demon dogs. I'm always hopeful that they'll see in me, I don't know, a friend of some kind. And this brings us to the end of our short and sweet episode 15 of Are You Afraid of the Bark? As always, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I'd like to imagine you here in my little blanket fort, huddled with me around an imaginary fire or the light of my computer screens. As always, if you have any thoughts, opinions, comments, hopefully not criticisms, you can reach me in a number of ways. You can reach me by email at afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Facebook at AYAOTB Podcast, on Instagram at Afraid of the Bark Podcast, and on Twitter at Simply Afraid of the Bark. Let me know what you think. Talk to me. I'm friendly. I think I'm a friendly person. I'd love to hear from you, interact with you, hear what you like and don't like. Talk to me. Just talk to me. Well, thank you very much, dear listener, for joining me for this episode 15, and I will end it as I always do, by wishing you simply sweet dreams tonight. Ha, ha, ha.